When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Start a journey, not a fad. Kick off your fitness journey with up to $500 off Peloton Bike, Bike Plus, or Tread packages. Choose the package that will take your training to the next level with accessories like our cycling shoes, heart rate band, non-slip grip dumbbells, and more. Join now and you'll see why 92% of households that start the year with Peloton are still active a year later. All access membership separate. Offer ends January 8th, 2023. Excludes Bike, Bike Plus, and Tret Basics. See additional terms at OnePeloton.com. This is a production of ITM Media. Hello to all the race fans here after a pretty exciting, wet, wild, crazy weekend from the Circuit of the Americas. That is Coda there in Austin, Texas. I'm Matt Beamer alongside Preston Luke, finally in studio. Finally. can't. I'm happy that you're here, man. If you're joining us on the Unhinged Sports Network, welcome. If you're joining us on your regular podcast platform or YouTube, thank you so much for tuning in. Continue support. We really do appreciate it here at In the Marbles. Preston? How's it going, man? It's going. It's Things just. Are, it's just yeah, going. Uh, yeah, it's uh, life seems busy. I guess that's what happens when you're an adult. Yeah, yeah, that happens sometimes. Yeah, from time you, to time. you get caught up in a lot of things, and then sometimes you kind of forget maybe what day it is. You do well. Yeah, well, shift work doesn't help out with that at all. No, when you well, when you're working a few forty-eight back-to-backs, and then you off a day and you go back for another 48 and then you kind of start to lose track of really what day yeah. it is. It, it, <laughs> so. it's, it's, it is crazy, but we're happy that you're joining us, whether on YouTube, like I said, or your podcast platform. We really do appreciate the support and the downloads and the listens. Really do. Before we get started with anything, if you listened to last week's episode, 87, on your podcast platform, you would have maybe noticed something weird at the end. And it was the first time in a year and a half that I messed up editing that bad. Yeah, it was. It was a pretty colossal mess up. And when I did the editing, I was switching back and forth between the YouTube editing and the audio editing. And I totally messed it up because I was, you know, flipping back and forth. And if you listen to the audio last week, I'd since corrected it, by the way. But if you listen to the audio like I did going to work. You'll notice a quick behind-the-scene look at what Preston and I talk about between <laughs> segments. It was pretty funny. Yeah. <laughs> if you have, if you didn't listen to it and didn't catch it on this week's episode, 
Wait till the end of the year special blooper episode, and we will let you know what that was. Right. But, Preston, I'm glad everything's going well. What an exciting weekend of racing, to a point. Yeah, I was going to say to a point. An interesting, again, learning curve, just like the Bristol Dirt Race, except this time it was a road course, and it didn't meet expectations for everybody, unless you were a Chase Elliott fan. That that seems pretty spot on. Yeah, yeah, but we're going to start off... With a new segment today, uh, today, and it's called What You Think. It's where Preston and I, throughout the course of the race weekend, observe each of the major races, whether it be Formula One, Indy, NASCAR, and its three main series, Truck, Xfinity Cup, or maybe something else. Mm-hmm. Maybe something else we just caught over the weekend that has to do with auto racing. And we ask each other what you think about this situation and how can it be corrected. And I'll start off, and we'll kind of get you to go and how it goes in. Preston will answer, and then I might answer what my think is. Just a quick little two cents, what you think. And my first one is, it's coming from the Monaco Grand Prix. So your territory. You're, you're, <laughs> right you're, up my alley. Right up your alley, man. And, and it came has, it had to do with the pit stop involving Valtteri Botas. A single lug nut pit stop like they do on Formula One. And usually just all open wheel cars, standard MO, single lug nut, zip it on, zip it off. Right. And here's the question. With the single lug nut failing for Botas, will the single lug nut cause the same issue for NASCAR teams, being that it is a single point of failure? Yes. I'm going to have to say yes. I mean, well, okay, so it was, I don't know, this time around, it seems like just a freak accident. I don't think I've seen something like that. I don't think I've ever seen that before in Formula 1. I don't think I've seen that at all, but it, I don't know. But now, now it's a possibility. Yeah, now it is a possibility. I don't know. I mean, I don't know what it could come down to. Did they, I mean, did they drill that thing on tightly or something? I don't know, but seeing them constantly just trying and like that tire changer is just trying, 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 and then they switched guns and like you just know at some point you're just gonna, you're gonna strip the crap out of that thing. And they did sew it that one time in like slow motion and you could yeah. just see the metal shards shredding off of the lug nut. And at that point you're just like, there's no way they're gonna, they're not gonna get that thing off now. But right. I just, I don't really know what, it could, you know, how something like that could happen. I almost kind of like, in my mind right away, I'm thinking to myself, what if it was just like the toe of the tire, the way they have the angle of the tire, maybe? But I don't think it would it would work like that. I just, I don't, I don't really know what it could come down to, but is that a chance in NASCAR? Absolutely, at this point. And with five lug nuts on a stock car, being that it's going from five to one here for the, at least the Cup Series next year, you have five points of failure at that point. Mm-hmm. If you miss one or fail to secure one on the car, or heck, even one doesn't come off, but I, that rarely happens. But if one fails to secure, you don't have that problem where the tire might come off. Now you have to make sure, one, the lug nut can come off the car. And then two, if you put the lug nut on, is it securely fastened in there? Right. Because if it's not, it could shimmy its way loose. Then you have an out-of-control wheel, and what's the penalty for that? Is it the same as what it is right now, where it's like, come in, now the crew chief and car chief are probably going to get suspended, and probably the tire changer for that rate, for next race weekend is going to be suspended? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's um, that's it's very interesting to think about, you know, seeing, and, you know, it's a shame for Botas because that ended his race right there. That was oh, it. Yeah, and I mean, he was running very well. He was. He was the top Mercedes of the day. 
And that was just an unfortunate, it just was. one of those things kind of like last week where Truex got the lug nut stuck between the jack and yeah, causing it, it not to function. One of those freak properly. accidents. Just one of those freak things that it's rare to see in racing, but when you do, it's like, oh, wow, didn't you expect that ever? Mm-hmm. All right, but what do you got for me? Okay, so when you had messaged me about this and gave it the idea, and I kind of was like, oh, you know, I'm kind of confused on what – then I rem- – thought of something and it goes back to quality you know we'll keep it in formula one it goes back to qualifying on okay. saturday charles leclerc he was on provisional pole but he was yep. still going for another lap towards the end of the session and then he got down to near the pool turns 15 and 16 where we saw a, a decent amount of cars actually trying to cut you know as close as they came to that wall right and charles you know leclerc Caught the wall and it broke the axle right away, and then he just shot straight through sixteen into the the, the yeah, barrier. It's right not there. the first time that I've seen it. And it's not going to be the last. No, time. and I mean cars were wheel hopping and everything over that. But what I have to ask you is, what do you think? With that happening, they still said that he still gets provisional pull as long as he is as long as they are able to fix the car. So it, they could fix the car, but if he were to have a gearbox issue and they would have to replace the gearbox, then he would have to go to the back. Right. My thing is, what do you think? Do you think Formula One should keep something like that? So, like, if you crash, even though you're on pole in qualifying, should you still keep your first starting position, say, if you were on provisional pole? Should you still keep that even though you wrecked out? Right. I'm going to go to NASCAR kind of terminology and rule book and idea about this. I know two, two totally different racing right. divisions. Mm-hmm. But I've seen in the past where a individual would qualify in the pole during happy hour, get into an accident or something, and have to get repairs done to that car. And I've seen them come back out on the track, pass inspection, pre-race inspection, and place on the f- grid because they fixed a car to NASCAR specifications and likings to the point where they didn't have to lose a spot. Now, replacing a drive train components such as the engine or the transmission that's a totally different issue because then you're just replacing it with a better updated thing than you qualifying on right a piece of equipment that is so i'm okay with that it didn't really work out for charles leclerc and we'll talk about more about that in our monaco race review but it is unfortunate, and I see your point. I kind of see your point. Now, what are your take on that? Do you think Charles should start should have started on the pole, or should he have been in the back of the grid? I I'm kind of like on both sides of the fence. I can understand if like if it's in the rule book and you can get a car fixed in time as long as you're not tra- changing an engine or a transmission. I kind of get it, but at the same time, that's just the way it goes. You're on provisional pull, but you're pushing for another lap. If you wreck, I mean, that's kind of on you at the same time. It is, but at the end, but I get their point of view. If you can get the car fixed to the officials' likings, or in this case, the FIA's likings, then it is completely 100% okay with me to put that car back on its starting grid position and proceed on with the race. Regardless of what happened to Leclerc at Monaco, if he would have started on the pole and everything would have worked out fine for him, yeah, I think it would have been an interesting race between him and Verstappen to see what strategy would have played out throughout mm-hmm. the race to see what would have happened. Unfortunately, that didn't happen. But I'm okay with if you could get the car fixed and it meets FIA specifications or in my neck of the field, NASCAR specifications to get back on the track and you didn't replace a drivetrain component. 
I'm okay with the car going back on its original starting position. Okay, I like that. Yeah, I, I, I can. I'm okay with it. It was just, right. it was just something that I really thought of. You know, when you had talked to me about, you know, hey, looking, taking a look at things over the weekend. And this and is it, great. It stood out to me because it was, it was just crazy. Because like even I was in awe and shocked at the. Cl- I was like, man, this is cool. Ferraris on pole. That's awesome. And then all of a sudden they cut to it, and he's already wrecked into the wall. And I was like, oh. Yeah. Okay, like, and I was just like, and of course, I didn't really know anything about that rule yet. I knew nothing about it because right. I'm still kind of fairly new two years in. But when they said, as long as they can get that car fixed, as long as they're not changing out anything with the drivetrain or the exactly. engine, they can still, and I was like, okay, I can understand that. And I'm okay with that rule. I really am. Yeah. And it's been like that, I think, for all major racing divisions, unless you don't change anything drivetrain-wise. Mechanical. Mechanical-wise. Right. Well, I wouldn't even go that far saying mechanical because the steering arm is mechanical. Mm-hmm. I'm talking like whatever can propel that vehicle down the road. Don't change any of that. Okay. All right. And this is what I like about what you think because we both have noticed throughout the course of our show, we have both have caught things that either of us can talk about and go down the rabbit hole. And I'm sure we still will this episode because we will <laughs> go down the rabbit hole and talk about because it's just one of those things where – it was just a crazy weekend, but this is my second one for you. Circuit of the Americas for NASCAR. Keep it on the schedule, or thanks, but no thanks for next year. Uh, no thanks. Sorry, no thanks. NASCAR. Why is that? Well, I said it, uh, I think it was sometime earlier in the year when we were talking about the schedule in general. As I started to look more and more at it, I started to do a little bit of research in terms of NASCAR racing at certain road courses, whether it's truck series, whether it's Xfinity, whether it's Cup. Right. After watching the first truck practice session, it was like watching slow motion with stock cars or you know trucks, however you want to say it. It doesn't matter. It's all kind of the same thing. So I decided, let me do a little research. So I went, because I know that Circuit of the Americas is more of Formula One heavy no, sports car it, it track. It is a Formula One track. We've discussed this on right. the show before. It's like, we don't even know what to expect, and we're not... Our expectations weren't that high. Because I'm because thinking... Because when yeah. the schedule came out and said Circuit of the Americas, like, that's a Formula One track. Yeah. So I'm, you know, and I'm thinking, during this practice session, I'm thinking, I know that NASCAR wanted to put more road courses in the schedule because they, fans want to see it, and road courses do kind of bring out some excitement. They kind of do. I'm and, not a big fan of them still. Right. So the trucks, I think they were turning... The fastest lap I had seen most of the session was like, it was like a two, in the 220s, maybe 230. So I was like, okay. So I went and looked it up. The fastest Formula One lap was, I think, run by Botas at like a minute and 30. So already we're almost about a minute slower than what a Formula One car would look like. Because I'm looking at these trucks going, this is slow motion. This cannot be right. It did look slow. And I'm just like, there's no way this is going to be an exciting race. And I'm watching these trucks. And this is in dry conditions. These trucks are sliding all over the place. Especially... As you come up the hill and you round one, as you're coming down through the S's, and they're just all over the place. It's a relatively flat track through the S's. Right. Stock cars are not made, I mean, they're made to stay low to the ground, but the wheelbase is not as wide as a, like an open-wheeler Formula One car, or maybe a sports car in general. So, of course, we're going to get the sliding effect, but they also have to drive so slow because they cannot make it through the S's like that. So, I'm already thinking... There's no way that these races are going to... And, we'll, of course, we'll get into it more when we get into NASCAR, but that's what I was looking at in terms of... It was dry practice session for trucks, and they were running slow. It just looked awful to watch on TV. Now, 
going. I'm thinking to myself. I'm going back and looking like when we said like Road America or Watkins Glen, even Sonoma. Two and a half, two mile tracks, maybe even a three mile. This code is like a three and a half between three, three and a half and three point four mile. Yeah, yeah, almost a three and a half mile track. That's a long track, but we're also talking. And you know, I understand that road courses have a lot of turns in them. Right. This was twenty turns. I mean, Usually just, there are eleven for NASCAR. Yeah, this is just way too many for a stock car series. Right. Do we want to venture at other road courses? Sure, why not? But when it stood out to me on the schedule, we're going to go to Coda. I was like, "There's," I just immediately in my mind, "There's no way that's not going to work." I just and after this weekend's races, like I said, when we get into them, I've already made my mind up. I just when we get there, we'll get there. But no, yeah. thank you. Yeah, and I, and I have to agree with you there. Coda didn't. And you could blame it on the rain. You could blame it on a number of factors. And I think we'll talk more about the rain. I think your other one is about the rain. But it just didn't do it for me. I was, I, I gave it a chance. I feel I was good seeing cars on the track for qualifying and practice. But it, what, for, to me, it, it, it didn't do it for me. For one, again, I don't like road courses. I'm not a big fan. Keep it to the two, maybe three with the Roval, and that's it. But now you're oversaturating it. Now we got Road of America coming up here in a couple weeks. Then we have the Indianapolis road course. Then we have Sonoma. Then we have Watkins Glen. Then we have Droval. We have a few more road courses to go. It just doesn't do it for me. I don't like, I'm not a big fan of road course racing. I'd rather see a five second lead on an oval in traffic the whole time than a five second lead. It, it was a Formula One race to me in a stock car. That's what I saw. That's, except it wasn't. At some points, and we'll get more into that. You got any more? What you think? Yeah, I do. So this one has to do with the rain. Okay. And we, you know, we told the audience already. We'll touch more on the rain and NASCAR in general later on. But during the earlier part of the race, when it was starting to rain, visibility was getting poor, and we saw that NASCAR called the race toward the end because they said all oh, these conditions, the, the rain was dumping for a while, a good bit, and they they. That's what they said. They said, hey, we're going to call it because it's just it's yep. too dangerous. I was listening to the radio, yeah. Do you think NASCAR should have stopped the race earlier when they were already having those problems, like when Cole Custer ran right into the back of Martin Truex Jr. down that straightaway after Truex had already run into the back of McDowell? Okay. Do you think NASCAR should – what do you think? Do you think it was a good idea that NASCAR let it get all the way to that point, or should they have stopped the race earlier than that? Well, I think what NASCAR needs to do is look at how to deal with rain and have a standard for rain at road courses. The tires are fine. You can have that. However, we saw it at Daytona Road Course this year, earlier this year with rain, and that was drainage issues. Standing water, and even if you have rain tri- tires, don't mix with a stock car. Mm-hmm. Not going in the amount of braking they're doing in a hydroplane in wet conditions. If they want to go road course racing in the rain, here's what I think they should do. Have may ensure that the tracks have a good drainage system in order to drain out standing water to where we don't have that or whereas we can mitigate those problems. I think there's still gonna be a problem, but have a good drainage system in place to mitigate those problems. Two, consider ABS brakes on a road course with rain conditions. And it's as easy as taking a NASCAR-approved fuse and putting it in the ABS, and you have ABS. If you take it out under dry conditions, 
you have no ABS. And it's very easy to tell if you have ABS or not. It's going to be very easy to detect whether a team is using that to an unfair advantage. Or if during the course of a race it starts to rain, approved teams with a NASCAR official looking to put in that fuse. In a visible spot, kind of like the battery boxes, there's a fuse box in there. Put the fuse in. You can clearly see if something's in there or not. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And have defrosters on the windows. I saw, I heard a lot of drivers. It wasn't mainly the rain. It was the windshield. I can't see out of my windshield. I can't see out. Once oil and debris and rubber and whatever got on the windshield and it was raining, it was sticking there. It wasn't cleaning right. The windshield wipers can only do so much. And if you saw William, I think it was William Byron's, it was just going crazy. Didn't look like it was doing anything. Have a heater system in there to blow hot air from the engine. It's easy to do, I'm sure, and duct it to where you can get that defrost, some type of defrost system to clear that window because I think that was a big problem there. I mean, you're looking at it out of a few windshields right there, and you couldn't see out of them as it was. And those are just, what, maybe four things I could think of right now to help because I know NASCAR admitted they messed up. Mm -hmm. It's like, man, we messed up bad, and Twitter's letting them have it, and Facebook's letting them have it, and drivers are going to let them have it and the media and spotters and the owners and NASCAR is just going to have to sit there and take it. They're just going to have to sit there and take the double blast from the shotgun to the face because they deserve it. They should have learned from Daytona road course. They knew rain could be a possibility. And what if we can implement these small little changes in there to improve on the conditions? Now, road courses at Daytona are lit by lights, which I'm sure helps out with visibility, mm-hmm. whereas Coda is obviously not lit with lights. But I think those are a few things that we can do. But should NASCAR have called it? No. I don't even think they should have called it the second time. I think it was a... Um, what? I, it's tough to say if it was a good call or not because I want to see the end of the race. I want to see if somebody could catch... Kyle Busch was dominating. I want to see if somebody could have caught him or if Larson could have pulled out the win over Chase Elliott. I don't think they should have called it. I think, you know, with what it was like, some team more laps to go. It was, I think it was It was between 10 and 15 It was go. a very short amount of time to but, go in the race. But t- between 10 and 15 to go was a long time on, to on, go on, on that on Coda, course. Yes. Oh. But, I mean, I, I don't think they should have called it. I think they. I don't think they should have. I don't think they should have. I do have one more that I just thought of. Okay, what's one more? And I don't have any more. That's okay. That's okay. This one just popped in my head, and it kind of goes off of practice here. We know that NASCAR is trying to get back to maybe throwing in some practice sessions here and there qualifying, which, you know, they should have already done that. Like, we've already 
Yeah. You know, compared to Formula One, who's still full open, open for business uh, across the pond. Do you think, what do you, do you think, NASCAR only giving one practice session to every single series, do you think that's enough time for just this track in general at Circuit of the Americas? Because even the, it's, there's a difference, there's a fine line between working in a simulator and actually getting on track, physical no, on is. track time. Yeah. Do you think 50 minutes was even enough? I think if you're going to give teams practice, you should at least give them an hour qualify I think it should be again all three sessions just like form, kind of like formula 1 where you have your first practice an hour long qualify happy hour and in race that's what I think are we going to go back there I highly doubt it we've put we've opened pandora's box in the sense of savings the drivers seem to like it the team seem to like the fact that we only go to the track on a the day before or the day of work and then go home i get it i'm not in the industry i can't speak for them we're gonna maybe try to get someone on who's in the industry like what do they think on it later on in the year but i will say i would love to see more practice session qualifying session comes back it's exciting it was good to see tyler reddick get a poll that was great you would have never seen that if it was just uh okay let's see here bowman's first larson second elliot third byron fourth and then down the line you wouldn't. Just, Tyler Reddick would have started 15th or 16th, but now he had a chance to get a pole, and now he's qualified for the Bush Clash there at Daytona. Mm-hmm. Now you're qualified for that, and it was extra incentive, and those were so much fun, and I don't think we're going to get back there anytime soon. However, I do feel that NASCAR can find a way to do it, especially with the next-gen car coming out, which we will get more into that. I have something else for you coming up next week. I got one for you next okay, week. Okay, yeah, so I... I had asked that question because, again, I referred back to the first practice session of the weekend, the trucks. And for me, it just seemed like nobody was able to get a decent practice run in because there was just constant caution flags and session was being stopped because car trucks are spinning or stalling out everywhere. It just seemed like as soon as we got back to a full green session, it was a red flag was out once again. It's just like... You can't get a decent practice run if you're only going to be able to get one lap in and then NASCAR's going to say, oh, we got a red flag again because somebody has stopped on the track. And that's where I just thought about it. Like, I just didn't think it was enough practice time for anybody to really get a good grip on it because it's a whole different world going from a simulator to the actual track itself. Right. So It is. Now, that was what you think. Uh, let us know what you, you guys think out there. Hashtag will be below what you think ITM Media will be on the screen here on YouTube and on the comments description of this podcast. Let us know what you think. I think it's this is kind I of like a good segue a good, for fans to maybe throw right, something out of us. Hey, what do you think? Hey, uh, hey you know, maybe we'll exactly. answer it. Maybe we, we will, but that was what you think. Opening thoughts, no news. Let's get into the race weekend, shall we? Shall, let's do it. Folks, Going to take a quick second here and break from the show and remind everybody out there about In the Marbles online store at Teespring. There you can find all of your In the Marbles gear that you need, such as t-shirts, hoodies, mugs, and much more. Show everybody out there, whether it's at the NASCAR races or the local short tracks, that you are a fan and avid listener of In the Marbles. All purchases will help In the Marbles bring you more content in the future. If you just head over to InTheMarbles.net under the Merch tab, 
There you will find the link to Teespring, or you can head over to teespring.com forward slash stores forward slash in the marbles, and there you will find our online store. And during the month of May, if you use code LUGNUT, it will take 20% off your order. So remember, head over to inthemarbles.net under the merch tab. There you will find the link, or teespring.com forward slash stores forward slash in the marbles. Again, 20% off if you use code LUGNUT for your entire purchase till the end of May. All right, Monaco Grand Prix, for me, for one, I'm, I'm going to say this right now, and a lot of people I think out there will agree with me, and this should have been a what you think. <laughs> I wish the race would have been ran next weekend during the Indy 500 and Coke 600. I love the fact to wake up on Sunday, watch the Formula One race, a few hours later watch the Indy 500, and then a few hours later watch the Coke 600 because I love it. Every year my wife goes, another one? Another one, it's like three races, 1,100 miles of racing. Either get in on board with it or yep. leave me alone. I completely but I, 100% that, 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 agree with but that. But the, the calendar change did not take away from the excitement and prestige that was Monaco. And this is our first time, as we said last week, reviewing a Monaco race on here. Preston, first thoughts and impressions of the Monaco Grand Prix. I, I love it. I Not only just the race in general, just Monaco. It's just one of those historic deals it's almost like comparing it to like the daytona 500 in nascar maybe the coke 600 just something you look forward to i would every say it's year. more of a darlington where it's it's a driver's racetrack you need to drive there and it's a crown jewel of formula one for sure yeah even though there's not really many places at all to even overtake it's just one of those things where you have to be on point all weekend long all the way through qualifying because where you start is pretty much cementing where you could finish barring right. if anybody hits a wall because i mean we a bad pit stop a bad pit stop hitting wall because there's no room out there no. in monaco it is if you hit that wall it's kind of like the equivalent of racing at dover where it's like racing in a hockey rink there's very little out of bounds yeah there. Uh, very little out of bounds whatsoever but it's just it's so monaco's just like you said it's a crown jewel it's just so cool and you have to, it's just one of those driver's racetracks where you have to be on your game the entire weekend. Right. Whether or not you, you know, if you qualify second or third, you're still up there, but you have to be on top. And it's so cool. Qualifying is fantastic. Was fantastic. Yeah, it because, was. I mean, like you said, you have to be on your game 100%. And we saw Charles Leclerc, he was on provisional pole and he was going for pushing for that another lap because he wanted to make sure he was going to be up front. Yeah. And one slight little mishap, and your your day is ruined. Well, on top of that insult to injury, he was doing his formation. Coming out to the grid, I believe he was. Yeah, he was coming out to the grid. Car wouldn't go. Yep. He, you could look on his face. Oh, no. And he's holding his helmet. Oh, no. The drive shaft, they said one of the drive shafts, which makes me want to dig deeper into this, broke. Charles Leclerc. That what you think didn't even matter because he didn't even start the yep. race, and which Absolutely. was very unfortunate. So that gave the pole position to Max Verstappen, who looked like he was going to get the pole anyway during qualifying mm -hmm. because he was on a f flying lap until Leclerc hit the wall. Yeah, well, the rest is history, my friends. I and, think, yeah, I think and, this weekend was just for anybody other than a Mercedes fan. It was kind of like a breath of fresh air. It really was. It was great. Not, I mean, you hate it for Botas. I really hate it for Botas because I want. I like watching Botas from over Hamilton. But uh, you saw the 
I would say the arrogance and the entitlement of Lewis Hamilton this weekend, today at Monaco, because he was stuck behind, I think, Williams and George Russell at one point of the race. He had a bad pit stop. His pit sequence was off. He was stuck behind George Russell. He was complaining the whole time. How am I stuck behind this guy? Why am I stuck behind this guy? It's like, well, man, play the hand you're dealt. Either you pass him because he's such a superior driver and superior equipment, he can pass this guy. Seven-time champion couldn't pass a Williams. Yep, it's just one of those tracks where you have to figure out. You almost have to kind of time it, almost like when we refer to it, Darlington, when Truex was coming up on lap traffic. You have to time it because right. there's not many places to pass, especially in Monaco. Lewis Hamilton should have just timed it out right. You have to figure it out. And you have to kind of maybe force your way in there. Right. You have And it's like, I'm here, and if they don't know I'm here, we're both going to get taken out. But he's going to see me, and one of us is going to give. It's not going to be me. But Max Verstappen wins that race. Carlos Sainz finishing second in that Ferrari. An outstanding run for him. What exactly he needed and that team needed replacing Sebastian Vettel this season. It was a great performance for Carlos Sainz. Uh, yeah, great. And, you know, it's a great rebound for Ferrari with Leclerc not being able to start because that right there is just no points right there in general. So for them to finish second, that helps in the constructors' yeah. standings, but that helps Carlos Sainz as well. That gives them a lot of momentum, especially finishing second at such a prestigious event on oh, that yeah. Formula One calendar. Very happy with that. And... The third podium finisher, very happy about this, Lando Norris in that McLaren. And he just recently signed an extension with McLaren as well. What a great turnaround that that McLaren team has had. I remember when they started and they had Alonzo, and I forget the other driver. They they were the equivalent to what Haas is now. Not finishing races, not running well, not making it out of Q1. They were not doing great. Now they are a serious contender, maybe not for a championship, constructors championship, but for a second place, a third place to battle those Ferraris and the Red Bulls, and maybe the Red Bulls. Mm-hmm. I want to say Mercedes because even though Mercedes is now in second in the constructors championship, they had a bad day. Don't expect that to happen in Baku. No, no, absolutely not. I think Mercedes is more set up for. They're more of like a straight-line speed. So Mercedes tends to have better straight-line speed than maybe, say, Red Bull does. But then that's a single point of failure. We talked about that during the lug nut. If you have a single point of failure and teams find that chink in the armor, force them to go wide, force them to get in that dirty air, mm-hmm. force Hamilton to complain, why is he behind? Why is he in front of me? Why is he blocking me? Maybe people have just had enough of that. I'm just spitballing here. Yeah. About that, but Hamilton. Speaking of Hamilton, finishing seventh. But you were right. The qualifying was fun to watch. The whole weekend in general was fun to watch. Monaco is always fun to watch. Again, I wish it was during the Memorial Day weekend. It was, I because I, I like that. It's tradition. Maybe next year we'll have it. I think it's probably because of still COVID shakeup over there in Europe that they had it. But glad to see it anyway. I rated the Formula One race an eight. Okay. It was a lot of fun to watch, a lot of drama in the pits, just a heartbreak and lug nuts and everything. It was just crazy. The weekend was crazy for twists and turns. That's the weekend you love. The storylines of the weekend. And it isn't weather. It isn't why the track is horrible, why drivers can't see. It was organic drama and organic storylines throughout, and the commentators didn't have to say anything but react to what was going on on the track. 
So I gave it an eight. I love it. I love that. Well, how do you rate it? I gave it a nine. Okay. I I love like I loved every single second of the weekend because it was so nice to wake up for FP one and FP two, and I'm just like, man, we get to because we didn't get to see last year. No, we didn't get a Monaco, but I was like, man, Monaco race. This is gonna be great. You know, was this your first time watching one? Uh, it was, yeah, it was I mean, actually like live and yeah, it was wow. live, yeah, absolutely. So like, I, but getting to race it on a game, it's you come to know at how tough tracks really are. Right. And Monaco is a very demanding track. You have to be, like I said, on your game the entire time because right. one little slip up messes everything up. Practice was very cool to watch because, like, like I said, it's a crown jewel event. It's one of those things where they've been going to for years and years and years. It's so historic, but it's not even that. Verstappen wins, Carlos Sainz second, Ferrari, and then Lando Norris, Lando Norris, excuse me, with McLaren in third. But then you also get both Aston Martin cards finally getting in the top ten and getting points. You get Alfa Romeo, who they only got one point, but Giovinazzi was tenth and Raikkonen was eleventh. You don't really get to see that very often, but Aston Martin finally looks like they're finally starting to kind of turn it around. It was just one of those things that they everything fell into their laps. It worked out the right way. Yep. And it was just crazy to see a Mercedes out off of something like that, which another pit issue. It just it was just a shame. And then Hamilton right. being back there in what was it, seventh place. It's so weird to watch a Formula One race these days and not see Hamilton in like the top three. It's so unusual yet so refreshing yeah. at the same time. It is. I really, really enjoyed is. the race. It was a very fun race to watch. But now we get to the Coda races and not Formula One. As everybody knows, but NASCAR, we're going to start off with the Toyota Tundra 225, which is the truck series. Todd Gittlin's first win in 2021. Good for him. Awesome. Great for him in front row. Cass Grala finishing second after starting second. And Paul Menard finishing 11th after starting 26. It was so exciting. So exciting but to see that. How, that do you, how do you enjoy the truck race? The truck race for me was better than I think all... The Xfinity and Cup races. Yeah, truck race was good. In general, the whole weekend was just kind of like a, eh, I mean, it was kind of like a back and forth thing. I enjoyed the truck race a little bit more. I'd probably give it a, I mean, I'll go ahead and rate it for you now. I'd probably give it a, I'd give it a seven. Okay. I'd give it a seven. It was a good race. It was, it's just, it was interesting all weekend long to see how these series were going to adapt for the first time of being there with such a, to me, a short practice session. Just did not do justice enough. So it was cool to see Ty Gillen get that win. Yep. Definitely something very good for him in front of Motorsports. They needed that. Casgrala, that's awesome. Yep. And it, like you said, it was just cool to see Palmenard back. And maybe he might come back for another road race if somebody will have him back. Because yeah. he's got a pretty decent road course background. And I, I kind of like that. I like yep. seeing that. So well, It was good seeing that. I've rated this 7 as well. Really nothing to write home about right there for the truck race. It's just a good race. Then we get to the Xfinity race, and here's what made me mad. At the start of the race, four out of the top five drivers were cup regulars. Yeah. So right off the bat, I'm already not happy with that, with Kyle Busch being in pole position. Kyle Busch won the race in dominating fashion, leading all but nine laps of that race. One noticeable finisher, Brett Moffitt, Started 21st, finishing 12th. But here's what my problem is. Four out of the five on an inaugural track in a series where their points don't matter, but 
they're taking away points from series regulars. Mm-hmm. We say this again. We say it all the time. Cup drivers racing for cup championships should not be that are in full time cup series competition should not be racing in lower divisions, regardless if they're for points or not. Okay, so I have something for you. I don't really have too much of a problem if maybe if they were only race a couple of races out of the year. No, I don't want them to race any here's races. A, here's whatsoever. something for you. I agree with you here on this one because this is an inaugural weekend. Why should they get to race in another series and gain that advantage then and be ahead of the other cup regulars? Right. Why don't we just all be on the same playing field and level playing field for a weekend, an inaugural weekend? You have right. to race in the series that you race in, and that's it. So we're all in the same field, and we're all trying to learn at the same time. Why is it that they get to go to the Xfinity Series, run a day before, like Kyle Busch gets to dominate, and then he gets to go out there and dominate in the Cup Series, and almost even if win. it was in the rain, he, almost winning, he's got that advantage of getting to race the day before in yeah. those Oh man, I know all about this track, and with it being in the rain, I think I've already got an advantage because now I know I need to break a little bit right. sooner for all these other turns. So I agree with you on this one. Yeah, right it, here. It's, There's, it's, it's just not it's fun. ridiculous. It, it, this sounds. This is a broken record that constantly comes up on our show when Kyle Busch goes down to the lower division. I wouldn't even just put keep him in there. Kevin Harvick, Chase Elliott, Martin Truex Jr., anybody who races full time in the Cup Series. Better chance, better yet, here's what I'm going to say. All of those drivers I just named, Truex, Elliott, and Kyle Busch, are Cup Series champions. If you're a Cup Series champion, you should not be able to allow to race in the lower divisions. Period. Right. And, you know, it goes... And that goes for Kevin Harvick. Mm-hmm. That goes for... Who else is it? Keselowski, Logano. Any... If you won a Cup Series champion, and tell me if I'm wrong, guys, out there and. Give us your opinion on what you think. If you won a Cup Series championship, you should not be allowed to race in the Xfinity Series. You should not be allowed to race in the Truck Series. And you should not be able to gain an advantage on the competition like that. If you're the best of the best in that series, which Cup Series champions are, don't race. you can't race in lower divisions, period. I agree. I agree. And so I want to throw the... I, I know that I elaborated. It was a long time ago that right. I elaborated on this one, but... I called into a local radio show before because they were talking. This was years ago. They were talking about Kyle Busch racing in lower series. Right. And I said, why does he need to be there? And they said, well, some most of the time it has to do with sponsorship. And certain sponsors want those kind of drivers to race in that series. And I okay. understand that. Understand. And, and now in here, I get that. But NASCAR should put something out there that, you know what? If NASCAR wants to make things exciting... If it's an inaugural weekend, they should just flat out across the board say, no, nobody gets to race in any other series because NASCAR at this point likes to say that they're trying to make it exciting. Well, if they want to make it exciting, they should put us into that if it's an inaugural weekend. You should just run in your series and that's it because you're going to have to learn just along with everybody else when we drop that green flag. They will, and and it's unfortunate. And for that, I I gave what could have been a very exciting Xfinity Series race a five. I gave it a five as well. I almost rated it a little bit lower than that, and but it's because Kyle Busch. It's just it, yeah. it's going to be the Kyle Busch show, in my opinion. I mean, drivers, full time drivers, busting their butts in there like Justin Allgaier. It really, but they take it away from those. Now drivers. that I'm thinking about it, it's just it really annoys me as to why we even have a race on a Saturday when it's just going to be those guys that are just dominating the entire time, 
trying to figure out a track for when they race the next day. Why even have it then? If they're just, those guys are going to be dominating the entire yeah, time. Yeah, again, like Drivers Standard Junior Motorsports, the Arnett's, the Allgaiers, the Gregsons. We'll just take Junior Motorsports, for instance, because that's the team I usually look at in the Xfinity Series. Trying to make a name for themselves for their sponsors, but then just getting dominated by that. I mean, how does their sponsors, how would Brass Pro Shop feel if their name isn't on a Martin Trex car, but on a Noah Grayson's car and being beat by a Cup Series champion? And to me, that's a five. We could go down the rabbit hole all day about this. And this is a squeaky wheel issue. It always comes up every time this happens. If it were me, and I don't, to me, I almost shut it off because Kyle Bush did race it. It was a boring race overall because Kyle Busch did race it. Best finish, best racing was for second. Whatever. Five. Cup race. The cluster of that race. This is where I've coined this, and I, I love saying this phrase because I'm saying it a lot more often these days. This was a classic NASCAR being NASCAR at this point in my eyes. Well... Let's let's break it down here. Chase Elliott winning his first race. Now all Hendrick drivers have at least one win in 2021. That's one. Hendrick finished one two again. Two cars in the top five in the top two. So Elliott and Larson. Larson again having a great run. Three. Hendrick ties Richard Petty Motorsports for 268 on all times wins as an organization. Now we get into the weeds here. <laughs> Because we, we kind of hit onto it on what you think. The the race itself started in somewhat damp conditions. Teams had a chance to go on wet or slick tires or wet tires. And I don't mind that. I think it should be left up to the teams, depending on the conditions of the track. Now, do I feel like NASCAR teams have to experience like a Formula One team does and says, look at the track and say, okay, we're going with this. Right. Because no, they two, don't. we're talking about two different cars in general. Right. Well, not only that, we're talking about two different levels of experience. How many times have you seen it throughout even this year where there were dry, wet conditions and saying, okay, we're going to go on either intermediates or wets, and then throughout the course of the race say, okay, now we're going to throw on the softs or the hards. Yeah. They know that. They've years and years of experience Hundreds of years, probably in the Mercedes room alone, just to tell us when the cars should go, switch over from one set of tires to another or one compound to another. NASCAR doesn't have that. Now, the crew chiefs can make an educated guess whether, just like we saw, we saw a handful of drivers start on slicks. We saw drivers like Michael McDowell start on wets, which is fine for me. That should be left up to the teams because if you mess up, you're going to pay for it. On the first lap, you're going to figure it out real fast. We saw a number of cars fit in within the first two laps because of that. So I'm okay with that. Mm-hmm. That was okay. That was an interesting part of the race. I, you figured it out. And right? Austin Sindrick went quite a distance and on Austin slicks, too. Austin Sindrick was dominant, but I think because he had to He's had that air. experience before, He's, too. He has the experience. He had the clean air. And no one in front of him to cause so, anything Yeah, all that crazy. visibility issue. I, I think... There was a lot of factors in there, but Cindric, oh, okay, this guy might whoop an upset today. What do you think about that? It's, you know, yes, leaving it up to the teams right before the race, you know, bringing them down pit road during pace laps. If you want to change, that's cool and all. Teams should have been looking at the radar at that point because a lot of people were probably like, you know what, hey, it's already rained. We're going to keep the wets on because it was already raining in the forecast anyways. Yeah. Why not just leave the wets on? So 
it's and you know I understand this is like a this is new to NASCAR because leaving the teams up to it, they don't know, really know well, they didn't get to practice in rain, so we don't really know nope. what it's going to be right. like. They do have the rain experience from Sir uh, Daytona, a little bit, yeah. But they have that knowledge. They have the yeah. crew chief should have that in their notebook. I'm like, okay, and from last year's. Roval race where it rained as well. And it's like, oh, okay, well, at this point, we, we can start going on mm-hmm. slicks or wets or vice versa. They have the an idea, but like I said, not as much as Formula One, but I cut you off. I right. No, no, no. That, that's good. No, I mean, whatever. I That's what I had to say. I mean, it's just, it's nice. I understand the tire situation. Leave it up to the teams. That's great. It seems like the wets were pretty much going to work for the end duration of the race right i'm surprised that some people even wanted to put slicks on me watching it and some and commentators saying oh some guys are going to opt for slicks i'm thinking to myself i mean i would have just stayed on west right away i don't know what it's going to be like out there i don't know how wet i mean different elevation changes it can be more wet in certain part of the tracks than other parts of the tracks because you have maybe have some runoff right you're talking about a big hill climb into turn one Maybe most of the water, maybe the track is more wet down on the flat than when you get up there because maybe some of the water is run down. I'm keeping what's on no matter what because I don't know what I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know how wet the track is. You know, right. commentators want to say, "Oh, the track may have dried out. The track might be a little warm." You know, some teams could do that. That's fine if you want to put slicks on. Cool, but I'm keeping what's on because I have no idea what's going on. It looks like it's going to rain. I'm going to stay ahead of the curve here. Right, and we saw that. Guys came and put slicks on, and they're pitting two laps later. As soon as the race starts, it just looked like a cluster, which was hey, that's the way strategy that, works out. That's the way strategy worked out. But then you you get to the the elephant in the room, and that was visibility. We don't have any business being out in the rain. Period. So, you know, all I can say is this is the worst decision that we've ever made in our sport that I've been a part of, and I've never felt more unsafe in my whole racing career. Period. Your thoughts on that, Preston, because when I listen to that, I hear a very frustrated veteran of the sport, 20-year veteran of the sport, who got involved in an accident because he got rear-ended, much like we saw Truex happen to Truex, both to and from, which took out Bubba Wallace, which took out Christopher Bell, a lot of contenders. Visibility was an issue from dropping a green flag to deal with NASCAR called the race. Does Kevin Harvick have a point there? And did NASCAR put drivers in unnecessary risk for a race? Okay, I'll try not to rant on this one. No, go ahead, rant, because this is our show, and we can rant if we want. I'll try not to, but Kevin Harvick makes a valid point. Right. I completely, 100% agree, and I I totally get it. After watching the race today and seeing the the unnecessary bullcrap that we had to deal with, with... Martin Truex Jr. running into the back of somebody. They're going down a straightaway that is you're gonna you're going fast. And I understand that some guys don't feel some guys might if it was a tight hairpin that we're coming to. And I understand some people are thinking we might have to break a little bit early. So Truex runs into somebody. And then Cole Custer comes along, probably doesn't even see him until the last second, and just absolutely bombs the crap out of him and sends him flying into the Which, air. Which that wasn't Custer's fault. Custer didn't see him. Exactly. Either. Exactly. So I, this whole thing, I completely agree with. I'm, I'm 100% on board with Kevin Harvey here. One thing's for sure right here. NASCAR has no business running in the rain. I thought maybe they could pull it off something like that. 
But they're right. There is no business running in the rain. If there are puddles on the track and they're hydroplaning, yeah, absolutely, because a stock car is not made to run on wet conditions like that. It's not like an open-wheel car, Formula One car, because water gets stuck up in a wheel while in a stock car, and you are going to hydroplane. It's not like an open-wheel car where you can just run over a puddle and the water just goes straight up in the air. Right. You don't have that water to just bounce around in the wheel well, and then you're just hydroplaning scared for your life on ice almost. Which goes to the fact that what we talked about in the opening thoughts and what you think is NASCAR, in order to approve a road course for competition, drainage. Yeah, exactly. And it's not just this. It's when you talk about visibility, here's an idea. And I talked about you on the show, and I'm just going to throw it out there real quick. The stages don't help because that stacks the cars up, and that alone gives you no visibility because as soon as that green flag drops, everybody goes from running two double-file restart to five wide going into turn one. Everybody's going this way, that way. Some guys are sliding through one, taking everybody to the almost to the gravel. NASCAR, all these cars are running off the track trying to get, and commentators are like, oh, yeah, they're going to run way off to get the best they can. No, that's not how a road course works. Right. It doesn't, and I'm used to Formula One being there are track limits, even in wet. If you're running off the track, you're going to get a warning for that. NASCAR is just like, hey, let them run all the way to freaking Egypt and come back onto the track. Right. And maybe they won't take anybody out. We I, saw A.J. Elmendinger slide all the way off the track. He had to avoid the grass at the last second, almost ran into somebody coming back onto the track. Right. He's right. Visibility. There's no... I wanted to give it a chance. Oh, maybe it would work. It absolutely does not work. Visibility with all... You're going from... I'm thinking Formula One. We have 20 cars on track. NASCAR, we have, what, 39 cars on track. Rooster tails are flying up everywhere. Yeah, because you have 39 cars on the track trying to vie for positions even though the track is wide. It's just... It's dangerous. It's It, it was asinine at this right. point. It's just ridiculous. Now, and this is the second time this year that visibility has come up, that last one being the Bristol Dirt Track. And it was the second time this year where NASCAR said no double file restarts, single file. The last time was at Bristol Dirt. Right. NASCAR, I feel, is trying to make the unorganic excitement come out Put dirt on Bristol. It'll make it fun. Let's race Circuit of America's. Fans want more road courses. I think after today, fans are going to seriously question the decision that NASCAR is making on their choice of road courses. But again, if you ask me, Sonoma, Watkins Glen, and the road court and the Roval are the only road courses that should be on the Cup calendar. I don't want to see. I didn't want to see Circuit of Americas as it started out with, so it already started off on the wrong foot as me as far as the expectation level of Circuit of America. Now, what does this do for Road America? Are we going to see the same thing at Road America? Are we going to say, see the same thing at Indianapolis Road Course? Are we going to see the same thing at Watkins Glen, at the Roval, at Sonoma? Is the expectation going to be so low that no matter if it's a photo finish at any of those races, is it going to be... That race was boring. Yeah. Or, that, or if it rains, they, NASCAR should have done this. NASCAR should have learned from Daytona Road Course and Circuit of the Americas to prevent this from happening. Because right now, the schedule is set in stone. You can't say, no, we're going from the road course of Indianapolis to the Oval. Yeah. It's too late for that. You can't mm-hmm. do that. You can't say we're taking Road America off and adding a second Dover race. You can't do that. 
Unfortunately, NASCAR has their hands tied with this, and NASCAR needs to find a way to make it better, not just for the driver's safety, which is paramount over anything else, but for the what is expected from the track as far as the drainage, mm-hmm. what's expected from the track as far as the lights, and maybe as far as from the teams, have my mud flap type things over there to deter the water. That I mean, that might be causing its own issue on its own, but instead of it going rooster telling, have it go out horizontally, just something. And, and, a simple $5 part could probably fix that. Just a couple pieces of rubber like a mud flap mm-hmm. could probably deter, prevent water from rooster tailing up. And I think you're going to have rooster tailing a little bit. You will have it. But instead of going up, at least it's going to the side, and that might be causing a little more problems because you're pushing water into somebody else's car. But I'm not choosing the race in the rain on the road courses. Yeah, here's here. <laughs> I got. I, I here's my take, and I'm not. Uh, this is just as a frustrated fan's point of view. First off, the rooster tail thing. A lot of people complain on Twitter about it. Well, here's an idea. You should have already noticed that. Like we said before, this is a Formula One heavy track. You have two long straightaways. Yeah. You're going to get high speed, so you're going to get a lot of rooster tail with something like this. We see it in F1, too. Yeah, we, we yeah see all that. the time. All the time, But yeah. you, like I said, you also don't have 39 other cars on track. You have 20. And I, don't, I don't think the amount of cars makes a difference. But it's, it's not just that. It's Here's my thing as well. And I hate to say it because I keep saying it again and again, but NASCAR is screwing this up big time because what was NASCAR before? Like they said, they wanted to try to get new fans into the sport, correct? Am right. I not wrong? No, you're, I, not, yeah. you're not wrong. Here's an idea. I agree with Harvick on this whole, it's dangerous, but let's not look at it this way too. The race was a crap show to begin with because we're trying to race in rain. Everybody's all over the place. We're racing the daylight. Racing, yeah. But the race is much slower because we're racing in rain and it's wet. 68 laps of Circuit of the Americas. It took almost... Just about dang near four hours. Newsflash, NASCAR. Nobody knew was going to want to sit through a four-hour race, and especially a race that looks like this, which if you call that exciting, there was nothing exciting about that one which, bit. And if you're a fan at the track, you're sitting there in the rain, which yeah. kudos to you because that's way more dedication than I think I even have for the sport of NASCAR. And when that final red flag came out for a weather delay, NASCAR fans saw the writing on the wall and were starting to leave. Yeah, it just... And that's not what you want to see. It does not make sense that we have a red flag earlier for an accident that was dangerous as all can get out because Cole Custer's car caught on fire pretty much immediately. Yeah, and then he's getting out with drivers coming down with drivers yeah. coming down that same road could have hydroplane hit Custer as he's trying to get out or out of the vehicle. Exactly. It's just there was there was a lot of moving parts that could have happened wrong. Ridiculousness at this point. It's not just safety. It's NASCAR thinks that oh we're doing a good job of making it exciting. There was nothing exciting about it. Right. It took way too long. I thought, like I said, this track is way too long to even run on, let alone if it's wet, you're driving even slower. The race is, we're like watching in slow motion. I'm sure there's a way they could reconfigure it and, you to know, make it shorter, but I, I don't know. The fans that out, that could be out there, new fans that like to say, oh, we like to see it for the wrecks. I can promise you there was nothing cool about seeing those accidents no. today because it was 
absolutely dangerous, and I 100% agree with Kevin Harvick. Visibility is too dangerous. We should have not even gotten to that point. And then when they decided, and what really made me angry is when they threw that last red flag and drivers were getting out of their cars. Yeah, once I heard you could I get was, out of the car if you I want, was like, it's like, that's it. That's it. They're going to call it. And then NASCAR wants to come on Twitter or somebody tweeted out, I think Jeff Gluck did, or I can't remember who it was, that... One of the top guys in NASCAR addressed to the media said, hey, we messed it up. Yeah, you're dang right you messed it up. You messed up a lot of things this weekend. And we'll just have to wait and see. I think Road America is the next road course race. We'll wait and see if they maybe get their act together. Not going to hold my breath, though. This is but, too, they're So far, they're 0 for 2 for me this year yeah, for road course Yeah, overall, in general, Circuit of the Americas is, I don't care if it's dry. We do not need to be back there next year. It's just one of those tracks that, is, to me, it didn't seem exciting. Yes, cars were sliding around. And other series, but there it's it, it's like watching slow motion. I just to me, I can't watch something like that because it's too big of a road course with too many turns, and it's a stock car. Yes, they're low to the ground, like I've said before, but it's not an open wheel car which has got a wider wheelbase where they can run faster. You, I'm telling you, fans out there that don't watch Formula One, watch a Formula One race and then go back and watch a NASCAR race on a road course. And it's like watching night and day at how, how no, fast the race gets done. No, I think Monaco, as far as its twists and turns, the average Formula One race an hour and a half. Yeah, absolutely. That's and, it. and in that time, Formula One even has it in writing. If we can't get this race done within a four hour period, if there are red flags, we're calling it wherever. Yeah. With NASCAR, it's, we're persistent, and they keep moving it back a day if they have Which to. Which you can't blame NASCAR for that. If I spend good money on a race right. ticket, I want to see the But race. that's the thing about Formula One, though. They can race in the rain, and they don't have as many problems. Yeah, well, so that's a where more you have the two different series. That. Anything else, man? Because Yeah, uh, so do you want to go ahead and rate it? Yeah, well, here you noticeable finishers okay, first. Okay, yeah, yeah. Ross Chastain started 20th, finished 4th. Great run for him in that Absolutely. Chip Ganassi car. He good top five. He needed that. And uh, Daytona 500 winner Michael McDowell starting 23rd, finishing seventh. A great, another great showing for for front row motorsports. But that was about all I can write positively about the race. I rated it a bit higher than the Xfinity race. I gave it a seven. Wow. Okay. And I gave it a seven only because. During the times where it wasn't downpouring, it was good racing. I didn't like the fact, and I'm and I've said it before. I don't like road courses. There was a significant gap between first and the second place pack, I should say, where I think Kyle Busch had a five second gap on everybody, but everybody's racing for a second. The end of stage two was pretty awesome, where all those cars racing for a position were just in a cluster there. But I think that's what fans expect at every race, the closeness of the cars and the competitiveness. It wasn't a complete bust for me. I think if NASCAR wants to bring Circuit of the America back for it, they do need to make changes to the car. And if they, when they do come back, the, gen, the next-gen car will be out. But more so changes to the track. They need a drainage system. They need lights. I, I, I truly believe that every NASCAR sanctioned track not lights should be required in case we do get in a position like this. Flip on the lights, you can race mm-hmm. no matter what. It's just one of those things where we never had this problem really at Sonoma. We never really had this problem at Watkins Glen where it was raining a lot. And if it does rain, we've never, it's rain tires are kind of a new thing for NASCAR. 
I think NASCAR will fix it. I think NASCAR is, is like I said, double barrel shotgun to the face, getting criticism from everybody, from drivers, team owners, fans, track officials, everybody about this. And I think they will fix it. So I'm optimistic for NASCAR, as much as I kind of bashed him. And I'm sure I kind of <laughs> contradicted myself earlier from earlier in the show, but that's what I think. I think it was a seven. How would you rate it? Three. A three. Three out of ten. Okay. NASCAR, well. stop trying to be like a sports car series championship. Well, I like road courses. I just want to say real quick, the whole weekend in general, I thought it was a bust. I no, just thought it was... I thought it could have been better. I, I think the Xfinity race could have been fun without Kyle Busch or any of the Cup Series drivers in there. The truck race was good. The The Xfinity race could have been better. And the Cup race was just plagued from disasters from the start. I just don't think that Circuit of America needs to be back on it. I think it was just too slow of a course. I'd say I agree with you. Watkins Glen, Sonoma works. The Roval even works yep. well. It's a nice road course that's compacted inside of... Charlotte, and you can see everything. We can that, see everything. I just, me. I think that anything over, anything over maybe three miles long at this point, just it's just too much. If it's got too many turns, it's just too slow. You make a point. I just don't. I just don't. You know, I don't. Sorry, NASCAR, but not sorry at the same time. Looking at it from the fan well, perspective, what would what would be your race of the weekend? Monaco. Mine would be Monaco, Monaco. as well. My first time ever picking Formula One is race of the weekend, and I just, you know, I I feel for the guys that. We're just frustrated saying, I feel for Kevin Harvick when he says, like, I mean, you could truly hear. By the way, that was from uh, NBC Sports. Yeah, you can truly hear just the. Or I think Jim Oder, actually. How angry he was about it. And I totally, after hearing it, I totally understand it. I totally get it. Yeah. It was just, it was dangerous. It's just NASCAR just needs to take a step back and say, you know what, we can't do that again. We'll. We'll have to, uh, you know what, yep. if it's raining again, maybe we don't race in the rain, but if it's wet, we'll still race. But if it's raining, maybe we shouldn't do that. Maybe it depends on the level of rain. Right. Because a little mist isn't going to hurt you. A little light drizzle isn't going to kill you. But maybe like uh, they got to maybe have it uh, inches per hour or or a level. They got to have some type of cutoff here. I think it needs to get a little more organized there before they go and completely agree with you. Upcoming races. No Formula One race this week and next weekend. It'll be the Baku. At Azerbaijan. Azerbaijan. I love that track. Uh, Cup Series, big weekend for them. The uh, One of the crown jewels of the series, the longest race of the series, Coca-Cola 600. Excited about that. I always loved the Coke 600. I've always enjoyed it. I've only been the one. Wanted to go this year. However, circumstances came up to where I couldn't go. I'm looking forward to that race. I have I, been to the Coke 600 a few times. Okay. It's been a... I always like... Yes, it's a long race. It's, it's definitely one of those. Uh, but it's such a fun how it they is, do it. It's, it's a great, it's, great atmosphere. I um, let's see. I think Junior was. I think it was the Coke Six Hundred. It was one year where Junior looked like he was going to win it, and then he ran out of gas. Bummer. And Harvick passed Harvick him. Won. Oh man! Everybody in the stands. It Ooh. was just like <laughs> I don't even know how to compare it. Everybody was cheering, and then he slowed, and everyone just went, "Oh." And oh. it was just like, oh, man. Like, everyone was The just wind so was taken out. Oh, man. But the Coke 600 is always a fun race. Make sure to check out Race Day Unhinged, noon on the Unhinged Sports Network, for everything you need to know, including our hot lap, which it, that was a lot of fun. Circuit America's hot lap didn't work out, but this should be a little better for me, <laughs> I should say. Xfinity Race, the Oscar uniforms, 300 at Charlotte, another long event for Xfinity Series standards. At Charlotte, that's going to be May 29th at 1 p.m. Eastern. By the way, Coke 600, May 30th at 6 p.m. Eastern. So a good transition into night race. 
couple of our friends will be there from Fast Lab, Chrissy and Deb. Have fun there. It's going to be a lot of fun for them. Truck Race, North Carolina Educational Lottery, Education Lottery, Educational Lottery 200 at the Charlotte Motor Speedway, May 28th at 8.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. That's going to be a fun race to watch. The Indianapolis 500 at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway, Sunday, May 30th at 11 a.m. on NBC. That's going to be a fun Indy race and in the Indy 500, it's always a spectacle, always fun to watch, always something crazy that happens every year there. I remember one year, I think it was um, Scott Dixon who hit a car and just <laughs> into the catch fence. That was crazy. So, uh, quick expectations on the Cup Xfinity truck race as well as the Indy race. Uh, expectations, I think NASCAR will kind of get back to business as usual because we're going back to a track that has been on the NASCAR calendar forever. Right. Pretty much since its inception. Yeah. So I think we'll get back to business as usual for the 600 at least. Maybe we see some excitement. I like, I always like the 600 because, like you said, it transitions from day to night. And you always, it's always fun to see teams try to stay on top of that strategy and try to adapt to the conditions when the sun goes down and that track temperature gets cooler and you're able to get a little bit more grip in the car. 400 laps, long race. It is a long race. <laughs> long Very race. long race. As far as Indy goes, you know, I, I don't really know. In past years, it is fun to watch Indy. It's always, it's it's cool to see those cars going around that track so fast. Oh, 240 plus miles an hour. Yeah, it's 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 wild. I think we I think we could be in for a wild weekend, but I think Sunday will be that excitement because, yeah, yeah we won't have Monaco. Yeah, we, we won't have Monaco. Do, but it's always a great time knowing Memorial Day weekend is coming and you get Indy and the Coke 600 in the same day. Right. I expect a good race from the Coke 600 as long as Truex doesn't lead 392, 392 laps, laps that, like that of one the year. 400 <laughs> laps. I want to see a good race and I expect we will. Truck and Xfinity race, I expect good races as well as long as a Cup Series regular Kyle Busch does not enter in that event and steal the show. IndyCar up in the air. It could be anybody's race. We might do an actual special race day show for that. Ask Jim if we can release it a little earlier. I think that will do well. We'll do everything we do on the regular show, bring you everything you need to know about that. But anything else, man, I think that almost wraps it up before our final thoughts here. Yeah, I don't think I have anything else. Before we wrap up today's show, I wanted to take a moment to remind everybody out there and in the Marbles Nation about our partnership with Fanatics. Fanatics is a proud partner of the Unhinged Sports Network, which we here at In The Marbles are the voice of racing. If you head over to inthemarbles.net under the Partners tab, there you will find a link to Fanatics, and it'll take you right to their NASCAR store, where you can find all your favorite drivers' hats, t-shirts, diecast, and more. But you don't have to just stop there. I buy all my Alabama Crimson Tide gear there, and Preston buys all his South Carolina Gamecock gear there as well. All purchases help out the Unhinged Sports Network, bring you the best sports coverage 24-7 at unhingedsn.com. Make sure to head over to the Unhinged Sports Network to listen to your favorite shows, not just in the marbles, but all your sports podcast needs such as football, basketball, hockey, and yes, racing. That's unhingedsn.com. All right, getting into our final thoughts here on this, I can't believe it, 88th episode of the show. Thank you all for tuning in to us again. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Again, hashtag what you think ITM. And again, it will be up here if you're watching YouTube and in the description of the 
podcast notes. Use that. Tell us what you think. You might be on the show, and we'll give you our opinion on it. Yeah. It's kind of a Q&A thing. Yeah. Q&A thing. In the Marbles 2.0 standings following the Circuit of the America race, SMR R&D still in the lead with 26-15, leading the pack by a significant amount over Matt Camper. SMR Operations, you, third. S-Blades, fourth. So the tie's over for me. I'm in fifth here with 2,471. Smoke and Woody, sixth. Unhinged Racing, seventh. Chuck 83, 84, eighth. 43 and me, which I just found out was your brother Brandon. Yep. Unfortunately, he's not even in the 2000s. He's a couple away. He hasn't broken that yet. Thank you for having set his lineup this week. Well, that's his fault. Summer's Racing, Bun 3, and Shake and Bake. Do you know who any of those guys are, Bun 3 and Shake and Bake? No. Well, I don't think so. They were scoring zero points. I'm thinking they're pretty much just done with it. <laughs> oh, well. Driver of the Week this week here at In the Marbles is a driver who I'm surprised we haven't done has since retired, but raced last year. Matt Kinseth. Yeah, we have not done him. 2003 NASCAR Winston Cup champion from Cambridge, Wisconsin, born March 10th, 1972. Like I said, 2003 Cup Series champion, which I think was the pushing factor in developing the chase format because he dominated that and we wanted a more interesting series and that snowballed into what we have now. Topic for another show. 2004 IROC Series champion, 2009 and 2012 Daytona 500 winner, 2000 Coke 600, which pop quiz, his first race came, win, first race victory came at what track and when? Oh, boy. I Come don't... on, I just gave you the answer. Oh, at Charlotte? The 2000 Coke 600 was his first victory. 2012-2014 Budweiser dual winner, 2015 Sprint Unlimited winner, and beat out Dale Earnhardt Jr. for the 2000 Winston Cup Rookie of the Year. 697 races over a 22-year career. So I wish he could have just ran three more just to get that seven, break into that 700 club. He didn't. Oh, well. That's unfortunate. First race coming into 1998 NBA Gold 400 at Dover. Last race coming at the 2020 season finale 500 at Phoenix. That is literally the name of the race. We've... <laughs> Oh, boy. First win coming, as we discussed, at the 2000 Coca-Cola 600 at Charlotte. And now last, last win coming at the 2017 Can-Am 500 at Phoenix. 39 wins over his historic 22-year career. I dare say a Hall of Fame career in the future. 331 top 10s, 20 pulls. Matt Kenseth, your driver of the week this week here at In the Marbles, had the pleasure of seeing him win twice, one in New Hampshire and one in Pocono. So I saw Matt Kenseth win two out of those. 39 yeah, I races. Think, uh, that Bojangles Southern 500, I think I did see him win that one. And um, again, as it's customary, you found it. Sure. This week in NASCAR. This week in NASCAR, May the 24th of 1987, Kyle Petty survives a day of heavy attrition and captures Charlotte, Charlotte's Coca-Cola 600 for his first super speedway win, giving the Wood Brothers their 70th super speedway win. Um, Iconic Wood Brothers team. That's yeah, pretty cool. So they're still only one away from a hundred. Still looking for that illustrious. Still looking like for that one hundred. But uh, <laughs> once that happens, it will be a party for them, their driver, and their fan base. Do you think DeBenedetto will get the one hundred, or do you think Cindric does next year? I'm starting to doubt DeBenedetto a lot more, unfortunately. Um, and it isn't because of his lack of trying. I think it's 
Just a bad uh, luck. Maybe bad luck. It's just one of those things where... Everybody seems... Like, I think everybody usually has something like that happen in their career where they just... You yeah, just can't but, catch a break. Yeah, but just, this guy's been racing in the Cup Series now for how many years? And he, he has not caught a break. Yeah. I don't know what it is. A couple top fives here and there, but that's it. You got to run in there consistently to finish first, and it's just not happening for Benedetto. Yeah. I think that's a sh- topic for our mid-season race show. You don't want to miss that. Again, folks, race day unhinged exclusively on the unhinged, unhinged Sports Network. We'll let you know if we're going to do an Indy 500 special or definitely a Coca-Cola 500 special. Preston, anything else before we wrap up this interesting episode? Uh, No, nothing else, actually. All right, well... We're going to go ahead and wrap it up then. I'd like to thank everybody so much for tuning in to us this week here at In the Marbles. Make sure to follow In the Marbles on all social media platforms, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. If you like the show, subscribe to the show, whether it's on YouTube or your podcast platform, and stay up to date on any new releases that we have in the future. For Preston Lude, I'm Matt Beamer. Thank you so much for tuning in to us this week. Stay safe and have a good rest of your week. Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.